0: Hello, hello one and all, and welcome to the CoifCast. It is the second CoifCast exclusive, this time with Castleford for Tigers Director of Rugby Operations, Danny Wilson. Uh, I really hope you enjoy it. I'm speaking from the future. I've already done the interview, um, so I know it's pretty good, I think. I hope it is. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's just under an hour uh, of chat with Danny, which is great. Uh, obviously, we've not had too much screen time um with Danny to this point since he took over the job in May so great to have all this time with him um obviously we spoke to Mark Grattan a few weeks ago talking all things IMG this one is much more focused on obviously recruitment and retention uh, and the kind of things that a director rugby really gets into although obviously the chat does widen into wider stuff in terms of kind of the culture of the club and where we want to see the club going uh in years to come um yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's really informative. It's good to hear um, from someone so high up at the club, their kind of vision for the future. I think that's absolutely massive. I tweeted about it the other day. That you know we're a fan base just ready to kind of latch onto something. Uh, I think, and some of the things he says in this pod, it is something as a fan. I would be more than happy to latch onto. I really do think that. I think there there is a there's a vision. There's an objective. Um, it's got to come together. Don't get me wrong. And you know. Before you get into this podcast, I will warn you, this is not going to be me reeling off the seven names or eight names, nine names, whatever it might be, of the signings we've made. It's not necessarily that. Obviously, I'll allow the club to make those announcements. This is much more of a, a kind of a general philosophical chat, dare I say, about where the direction the club wants to go in. Um, yeah, and I came away from it pretty happy, so I hope you do too. Um, I'll let like to get into it then. It's about an hour long. It's me, it's Danny Wilson. Enjoy, Danny. Um, obviously, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, first of all, how are you? Obviously, it's been a very tough year. Obviously, from fans all the way up to the top. Um, how are you kind of feeling now? We've finally kind of reached the end of this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, first, thank you for inviting me. I think what you're doing is great. The podcast's fantastic, and I think. You yeah, always have balanced views, which are really important. I think that um, as a club, we need to, to get more stuff out there to the fans, and I think that's a big part of that. So I think it's important to do. Um, to answer your question, um, still frustrated from the performance on Friday night. Um, really relieved that the season's over. I feel like we've been waiting for it since round three after after Lee left, and then obviously last year at, at the Gorn. It's just been a long season where... Not just the coaching but a lot of things have happened um, and it just feels like everything just started to snowball. And I've, I've been in this post now for six months so I feel like now I can really start you know, having an impact on that job. So, yeah, Frustrated still, that'll probably last another week, we've got some business to do over the next seven days and then we can draw a line
0: under that and really jump straight into the next season so I'm looking forward to that. Nice one and obviously we'll get into all that as we go. Um, just a bit on you to start with really, because so obviously every cast member, I'm sure has heard of Danny Wilson, heard of director rugby, but we don't know all that much yeah. about you necessarily. Uh, obviously you make statements obviously when uh, we have club announcements and all that kind of thing, I know you have done a video on socials as well. Um, just a little bit about you really, so in terms of, kind of your background before the Tigers, for any listeners who obviously may not know, obviously you arrived in 2021 uh, with Lee, with Andy, uh, with Rob as well I believe. Um, just prior to that, what, what is kind of your experience within within rugby League? I believe it was the City Hall Academy and various things like that.
1: How far back do you want me to go? I think um, as far as you want, mate. As, far as I want, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um,
1: I think how far back should we go? Um, about maybe about 2000, 2008, I was doing my, my second degree uh, at University of York in in um, in sports, sports science. I'm playing. I was playing part time. Uh, Gates said at the time we'd got promoted out of the championship into, sorry, out of the championship, one into the championship, which was really good. It was at a time when um, Gates said was doing a lot of things. I think that were important. They had some young players in the squad and and, and brought everybody together. We all lived together and, and had, had an assault on that on that season that league. My um, wife then got pregnant. down from Newcastle and went to Hull. At that point, 2010, I got a job at Hull FC in the foundation did my teaching degree at the, at the same time, and went through from grassroots coaching all the way, all the way up. Adam Pearson took over the club in 2011, and I became Play Performance Manager in the youth. Um, after that, Andy Last, who was the head of youth at the time, moved up to the first team, when Peter Gemma got, got sacked, and then um, I became head of youth. 2015, Adam Pearson and Neil Hudrum decided to manage the academies and tasked me with starting from a blank canvas to build the City of Academy. So you know, I did that, um, Rob Nicola who works with us at Casford now was at Hull KR and I was at Hull FC and we came together and we built the City of Hull Academy and we moved our player productivity, Hull was about sixth, Hull KR okay, was about ninth in productivity, we moved that to being top for two years on the bounce within two years. So producing players and building systems and pathways was a key part of what we did. Um, I was at Hull FC, Lee, Lee gave me the call when he got the job here and asked me if I'd come and look after the emerging talent group coming through, uh, which, I was, which I was keen to do as long as um, I could you know, step into some more of the administration. And I think you know the rest, the rest of the history. Obviously, Lee was here for that year, and then, and then he went, and when he went, I stepped into the director rugby role. So that's something that you know, I think my skill sets um, fit. However, we'll be able to judge that better. I think in 12 months' time, we'll get a bit more of an indication of how good we are in that role.
0: Uh, and as you say, when you came here, obviously, Head of Rugby and Development, I think you was in the role. Yeah. Um, so obviously a little bit of coaching there, and obviously more on the kind of academy focus, off the pathways yeah. generally. Um. Obviously, I think there's some wraps there on you. Obviously, the academy was in a bad spot, I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say. Obviously, like, we temporarily kind of lost elite status and all that kind of thing. And to, to pull that back up, um, not being yourself too much, <laughs> I guess, how important were you guys in kind of bringing that back to the states it needs to be and I think even just on Friday night obviously Fletcher Rooney coming through uh, and seeing him play a game obviously we're starting to see like the, uh, the, the blossoming I guess of that academy finally getting back to where it needs to be I guess so yeah, yeah how, how was that kind of spending that time in the academy for even if it wasn't like a year, year and a half?
1: Yeah look when we came in that that was the first task was to fix that up to lose an academy license at at Castleford's yeah. um, shocking you know the people need that academy there so we spent 12 months on that. No, I really believe in people and people with the right skill sets to do the job and uh, we brought in Rob Nicola and, and Matty Faulkner who was pivotal in changing the direction of, of the academy and it's almost like the pain we're probably going through this year at first team, we went through 12 months ago with yep. the academy and like you said that's now in a settled place where we're starting to see some small shoots um, of that labour and that will take you know, another two or three years to really um, become concrete and we've got to build the academy based on some key values and behaviours that we think are important for Castleford which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point but you know really pleased to get that up and running and and see the great work that the staff in the academy are doing and Fletcher Rooney, like you said is testament to that as a 17 year old to perform under extreme adversity like he did on Friday um, is is a testament to the hard work that's going on at youth.
0: Yeah. Yeah absolutely um so obviously in May this year it was announced obviously you were taking on the role of uh, Director director rugby operations at the club. Obviously it's a new role. Uh, obviously there has been director rugby in the past. I think John Wells was the last director of rugby at Cass, mm-hmm. probably talking four or five years ago, I suppose, but obviously there's no been there's no one been in that role uh, since that. Um maybe it's not uh, the perfect question for you to answer necessarily obviously in the role, but what was the kind of catalyst catalyst for kind of recreating that role? Um what is the kind of importance do you think of having that kind of director of rugby in position? Um, to oversee all the things you are seeing currently? Well, I think
1: that if you look in different sports, um, and certainly in the clubs in rugby league that are doing it well, they, they, they tend to do it where the, the club has an identity and the values and how they play and the type of person they have at the club, like a Wigan, like a it's like a, a Leeds of years gone by, and you say football, they have an identity of the club and they recruit all staff and all players, all personnel off field to that. Yes. And I think. At Castleford that role that director rugby role is needed to fulfil that to make sure that the performance department reflects the qualities of Castleford Tigers as a club and that Castleford Tigers as a club reflects the people in the community so when you get a head coach and the head coach is fully responsible for driving that team the staff in that in that department and um, making sure that, that they put their spin on it but when you get a head coach come in they might be three years. Look, if you're at Casper, it might be six months, but your cycle of your um, your tenure, it might be three years. It might be a little bit longer, but generally around three years. And you can't be changing your philosophies and your recruitment philosophies and your business plan to suit the head coach, your club has to drive that. And I like to think that I bridge that gap between the board of directors and between that performance department at first team.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll read, obviously, in your statement in May, uh, once you said, ultimately, I'll making sure our first team environment is strong. Rebuilding our culture and make sure we get players in and want to play for Castle Tigers. I mean that works for me. I mean that, as yeah. a fan, that's clearly what. I'm, that's essentially what you've just said, isn't it? Um, and that that's hugely, hugely important. Um, I guess before we go into how that is actually going to be achieved, uh, kind of on a consistent basis. Um, I'm a big league myself and that. You in order to move forward, you kind of have to look at your past and not necessarily your past, but the yeah. club's past. Yeah. Uh, I guess, and it's one of the main reasons that actually create this podcast. I and mean, if anyone listens to episode one, but I kind of talked about the last five, six years, probably since. And again, I need that swear box for 2017, the amount of times it's said, but since that year where things have not, maybe not gone quite right in the club, uh, certainly in my opinion as well in terms of recruitment and retention, which is obviously a big, big part of your role now. was um, kind of looking over that period, probably over like the last six years, Without, I'm not asking you to dig people out or anything like that, it's not that kind of thing, but how would you kind of assess the kind of club's approach over that time and kind of more importantly where things have not gone quite right and things have gone wrong? where would you be looking to kind of change that approach it's a big question i know
1: yeah i mean clearly there's been some some mistakes over the last let's say four or five years to be in the situation we're in now the problem with success um like you had in in 2017 means that the playing pool that that got you there you you tend to look at their attention and they get paid more money and their contract lengths become longer so there's a few elements to it i think There's a time for everybody's journey um, that comes where change sometimes is better than a rest. And I think there's a lot of players that was in and around that kind of area that probably needed change or or to to retire. And I think that's probably the retention of that club and keeping them players maybe a year or two years too long. For them and for the club. So that retention, um, some recruitment decisions over that period as well has obviously had that impact. I think you need to have a really good blend of, of personnel in your playing group. Young and talented, hardworking, working, etc. With, with some top-end players that can lead your culture. We were very top-heavy, mm. and at times that can impact on your environment and your culture. So, yeah, I just think recruitment and retention has had a big impact. I think the, the way the club um, has looked to pump as much money as it can into that first-team environment and get that, that success, um, and that might be short-lived. I think the way we need to do it is have a real long-term vision to be successful forever. You know, you want to be celebrating, like your top team celebrate a grand final win for 12 months and then they celebrate another one yeah. and another one. They don't look back for five years at one the way they could have won and I think to do that, that's not going to happen overnight, that might take 12, 24 months to be in and around them doors knocking on them and it might be three or four years before we win one and then carry on winning one. But When you put a good foundation in place and a good strategy, you'll achieve success longer term rather than putting your eggs in one basket and hoping. So that's, I don't even know if that answers your question, Ross.
0: I think it did, I think it did. (laughs) But the thing with this pod as well, as we get later on into the podcast as well, as we start talking about kind of next season and stuff like that, I think naturally we'll start bringing a few of those things in anyway and it'll create a kind of full picture, I guess. Um, Before we do that, um, obviously looking at the season just gone, uh, I know we've we've got to, to a certain degree. But um, obviously, and obviously, a lot of this probably will be on recruitment and retention naturally. Um, obviously, a number of additions came in kind of after you took the job in May or was announced in May at least. Um, was there a point where the staff kind of sat down? I think I might, I might have asked Mark this actually a few weeks back. Um, what was there a point where the staff kind of sat down, the coaching staff, everyone, and just went, you know what, this squad isn't going to be enough. There, there isn't going to be enough in this squad to keep us up. Because uh, obviously, there was a kind of a flurry of signings made. I kind of I think we made seven in the end all within maybe a, a six week period um, yeah, it was there kind of a D-Day where we kind of sat down and just went right we, we need, need to make some real changes there was that just literally an ongoing process of just looking right when players became available there was clearly areas where we needed to improve in order to stay with Wakefield was it just that? Yeah there was probably there was
1: probably a, a moment The I think the year b- before the, the squad started off slowly and then hit, yeah. um, you know, I think a game, and then we hit some form after that and had a, had a assault and trying to get a playoff spot. And it was almost like we was waiting for, for that as well. We thought it was going to happen and, and again. And it didn't come, and then we, we realised that some uh, players moved on, and we needed to make some changes, and we started to look at recruitment. There's a lot of things that go into recruitment when it comes to trying to bring players in. If you're looking at overseas, you've got to make sure they qualify for a visa. To do that, they've got to play 50% of NRL games in the last two years, um, and if they haven't, then they need to have played 75% of international games in the last two years, if they fall out of, if they're not in England, New Zealand, or Australia. So you've got to find the ones that qualify, um, you've then got to be able to have a budget to go after the ones that do, and then you've got to make sure your head coach is happy with them, uh, and then you've, you've got to make sure that they want to come, and that the club they're currently at releases them. So we had Kyle Iroh agreed, and... We went down all of them stages, of the points I've just said, ticked them all off and then the club wouldn't release him. So there's a lot that go into it. So we started you know, looking at these players and I think I've mentioned before somewhere, I think we spoke to 70 players. Mm. And then there was a moment and, you know, it's when you look back now, it's been us on Wakefield and that dogfight all year. There was a point where we thought... We'd be safe, probably because of, of Wakefield, and they go and beat Wigan, and it was at that point there where the the club put the foot, yeah, fully on the pedal, um, and we had to really, I think we worked solidly there for seven to ten days, you know, twenty hours a day, trying to get these players in and over the line, and, and we managed to do that and I managed to come in. Um, you look at it, you know, was it too late at that point? <sighs> No, potentially, um, but at the same time is, if you're confident enough in your squad to get the job done anyway, you're already spending cap. Yeah. Do you need to spend more? So, yeah, that was that was a turning point for us.
0: Yeah, I think there's that thing as well with the fans as well. I think it's very easy to look back at hindsight, in hindsight of the season, and go, oh, we've got 12, 14 points, whatever it was, and wasn't good enough in the long run. But the optimism was very different in February, wasn't there, it? Really yeah. was Even myself, I think there was yeah. a bunch of cast fans going, "That's probably a playoff team, not yeah. knocking on six yeah, yeah. at least." Yeah with the calibre of play we brought in, maybe more, it might have been more name value now, yeah. in, in hindsight, but I, I do understand that kind of thing, and there was a lot of, yeah, I guess, chatter around fans are going, I oh, left it too left, left it too late, but that, yeah. if it's just a genuine, genuine confidence in the squad, then that's, I guess that is what it is, isn't it? Um, in terms of the signs that came in, uh, I kind of lumped three in together, in terms of, Riley Dean came in on loan, uh, Jordan Johnston, and, uh, and Alex Foster, in terms of, kind of the British players, um, to me, very much a matter of kind of, round pegs, round holes, kind of thing, and then that kind of situation, but obviously, Macca goes down, bringing a hooker, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. obviously, Fozzie Fos- Fos- played his part, he got a try with Wakefield, and obviously, Riley Dean kind of did a, did a spot, at-, at six, obviously, when, um, when Niall went down, obviously, we had to fill in there, uh, I- they would seem relatively straightforward, to me, and probably not the most difficult ones, to bring in, I, I wouldn't assume, um, the really interesting ones, I think, from all cast fans, really, was the fact, obviously, we brought in Charbel, and Billy, uh, and Liam Horn this year, and, um, Again, I, no one's ever I've really necessarily expressed it from the club, the kind of the report that the club had fully gone away from signing from the NRL uh, and also over the last two, three, four years, whether they've been burned with, uh, obviously to sign effect he was really unfortunate, obviously it was injuries, Chase Blair probably didn't live up to where we wanted him to be. Um, was it, has there been an actual moment this year or maybe the year before where we've just gone, that, was it ever a thing, first and foremost, was it ever a thing where the club just wasn't looking overseas? Uh, I know you've you've talked about the difficulties of bringing them over, but was it just a matter of that? Uh, and was there a point this year went actually no, we need to look into that, looking overseas, and especially in that comp which we are now looking at rather than the NRL itself. Yeah, uh, not to my knowledge. That's if
1: if there was ever a decision made not to go NRL overseas, that's before me. Um, there was no restriction placed on where we was looking. Um, we've got some good scouts out um, in Australia that that work hard for us as, as a club. So it's never been a narrative of we can't do that. It was just open door, go, go, and, go and have a look. And I think part of the profile of the player we want to come in, we want players that are going to be able to compete every single day in training and every single week on the field. And, and with that, becomes players that are ambitious, that are still yet to achieve, that have a lot of talent but are hungry to achieve. We want players coming to the club, at, and you, you know if you're paying a squad at, at 2.2 million, you want them performing at 3 million. You don't want to be having a two point two million squad of performing at one point five, so that's what we're trying to look at. People that really want to move on and progress, and I mean move on in terms of with their career and get get further up Super League, and that that be with Castleford. So that kind of playing pool out there, at the overseas in in the NRL and New South Wales Cup and stuff, that fits the mode that we're talking here. We want young English talent like yeah, Jack Broadbent, and also if that talent is overseas and it's in that
0: market, we'll go and get that as well. Do you think it's something that clubs just genuinely, or do you think that's just the way Super League's going to go now? Like, we've talked about it on the podcast quite a bit in the sense that, I guess historically in Super League, it's your, your 32, 33-year-olds, half-backs generally, and players mm-hmm. like that, or maybe your prop forwards who are coming over maybe just for the like last bit of cash, you know what I mean? They're probably not quite at NRL level anymore, and that's just been historically what's happened for the last mm-hmm. 10, 15 years, but I think, obviously with the signs we've made this year, maybe not to level some of the other signs in Super League, but obviously... Uh, Jake Clifford Hull FC. I know he's an RL, but still a younger player. Obviously, Hulk Hard bringing Brad Schneider on loan. And mm-hmm. Do you think this is just going to be an ongoing trend? Do you think this is where Super League should be now? Because it shouldn't be just a graveyard for old players. And actually, even if they're only going to stay for a year or two, is it better for Super League generally just to have these young lads, these young Aussie lads who really want an uh, area to be able to prove themselves? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think first and foremost, we need to make sure our young English talent locally have a pathway and a breeding ground. I think that certainly needs to be our focus as a club, is to Give them a natural pathway. When you've got players like Flex, Fletcher Rooney there at seventeen, we need to hold him back until he is twenty and not getting him, then goes to a different club. And if he's if he's good enough and starting to show them things, we need to give him that pathway. So I think the the game, especially the ING criteria, we can really nurture that talent. And then yeah, do you not know, if I think all clubs will always look for that sprinkling of stardust. Um, some clubs will be able to go and throw three or four hundred thousand pounds at a player and, and hope it works. Um, but certainly for us that's you know, we if we need to fill our squad with a little bit of stardust or some really good exciting talent, we will go we'll go and do that. But our model again, like I said, is young, best of the careers in front of them. You maybe need two or three in there that that have done it and, and can lead the way and get these young boys to follow suit. So that that will absolutely be the way we go. Um, clubs will always have their different direction if you're Wigan, if you're saints and this is what i'm talking about before yeah. this is where we need to be is we're consistent to our plan and our model consistency will breed success clubs hockey are seem to be getting that right now don't they um yeah. i think what helps with those and why you're saying you're seeing that trend is probably the world cup hmm. so the world cup means that there's more international play than in the last two years which means more players actually qualify than quarter spots if that world cup wasn't there you wouldn't be seeing all players in there because we'll be qualifying
0: well, I guess the fact there is apparently an international calendar now should obviously help that <laughs> yeah, in the next few years. Obviously, yeah. that's a fair point. Yeah, I think people, I mean, obviously some of the names, again, I'm not going to throw names in this podcast, I've not listed about but obviously some of the names we have been linked to this year, there's a clear trend in terms of the might play at the World Cup for various nations and things mm-hmm. like that to make it a little bit easier about coming across. And as I say, the likes of Tassipal was a perfect example, obviously play played for Lebanon, didn't he? Um, just on retention, oh, sorry, recruitment in terms of this season again, uh, I did have a note about Carl Arrow but you kind of touched on that anyway. And it was, that was literally just a matter of we had that spot available, we tried, and it was just a matter of the club just wouldn't let him go. Simple as that. Yeah, we, we, we actually went quite big financially on him. We, we felt he was a
1: Jake Manos type replacement, of offered a, a significant deal. He accepted, his agent accepted, and then the agent decided to then at that point try and get him out of his club, which was Cornwall Sharks, and he was like, it's not. Not leaving is on the edge of NRL and not letting him go. So it's disappointing to go all that way yeah. and then it, it get pulled but again I understand why
0: clubs wouldn't let him go as a talented player. Yeah I guess it's one of those things. Um, obviously we did have that court spot available at that point, well a little bit further down that point. Um, we did bring in Blake Austin which was, obviously took everyone by surprise, mm. I think it might have even took you by surprise potentially on the club. Um, that did happen really really fast um, from just from your perspective so we've heard a little bit from obviously the two coaches at the time things like that uh, and even a little bit from Gary Everton but how did that kind of come about and you know, how pleased were you to kind of get there over the line Cause it did seem a bit of a 24 hour whirlwind from what we've been told yeah um, when people
1: don't manage to get it out in the press before you release it you know it's been quick mm. so <laughs> yeah I was watching my, my boy play football actually on a Wednesday night um, and it Came to my attention that there some potential to get that deal done, and that was maybe about eight o'clock on Wednesday night. Speaking to obviously Mike Grattan and, and Gary Everington and, and Blake and I think Gareth have had his little play, piece to play in there as well. And, and lastly, we was all talking. I think we got a deal at one a.m. in the morning. So wow. from Wednesday eight to one a.m. on that Thursday morning, it was done.
0: Wow, five hours. Oh, that's, that's not bad, is it? <laughs> and, and, uh, that is uh,
1: but to bring somebody in like Blake and, and to, you know to give him an opportunity to carry on playing every week and. To him to
0: help us like he has done has, has been great yeah and obviously i was down here for the, for the whole game obviously at wakefield even though he was you know, clearly carrying kind of a yeah. knock at wakefield mm-hmm. he was massive for us and clearly i mean he's one of those players that no matter what happens now he's always going to be even he only people one home game but yeah. he's going to be remembered forever for cast fans as a vital part of kind of keeping us up this year yeah absolutely like the other boys that you
1: spoke about jj fozzy as well and billy they've all played a part but you know you look back in history you want to celebrate trophy wins it'd have been a disaster for us our needs to be um, attached to relegation so they've come in and helped us avoid that which has been massive and we'll be for, ever indebted in there with them <laughs> excuse me
0: <coughs> sorry no problem um, obviously those guys are all involved in the outgoings we kind of move on to now to kind of looking ahead to kind of next season uh, those four guys in particular obviously the loanies uh, and then the players who are in short deals are moving on obviously Austin among them I will ask the question in terms of obviously, i I'd be strung up by cast fans if I didn't ask the question. Was there ever any kind of view to keeping for next year? Were any kind of discussions had? Was there ever really consideration? Or was it always going to be just, you've got five games, just just do what you can? No, we've done a lot of our business early. Um, we spoke about that, but
1: you know it isn't finished and wasn't finished. And you know, A player of the calibre of Blake coming in, and you can't ignore that and what he can give uh, to the team. So we wanted to give them six games and have a regular look at, regular look at him. It uh, was an absolute consideration. Uh, we sat and spoke in detail, the board spoke in detail. And probably for the value he could get somewhere else, we probably need to move in a different direction in terms of our recruitment and, and what we're looking at in terms of our player profile. You get players that have a big experiences elsewhere, you know, and fetch and right the saw, so, fetch a good salary and they'll always perform for the next 12-24 months so we probably need to be a bit stronger in, in our beliefs and when we need to set the squad so you know Blake will go and get a, a contract that is the right price for him I'm very grateful for everything that he did but we need to move in a different direction as a club yeah that's fair enough
0: um in terms of a couple of players a couple of other players leaving uh two obviously stand out for cast fans obviously Nathan Massey and Greg Eden. Uh, obviously a couple of legends. Uh, fans will be sad to see them go. Obviously, for what they've kind of given to the club. Obviously, it's three hundred games for, for Massey of hundred tries for, for Eden, which is an unbelievable record. Um, but I, I think obviously you you blazed a statement yourself. Obviously, when they were announced last week, and allude to the fact, obviously both well into the thirties now. Obviously, don't play probably quite as many games uh, as we need uh nowadays. Probably with our uh, suspects. You know, obviously they've had, they've had a long time at the club. Money kind of stacks up, I'd imagine, as well in terms of contracts. Um, yeah just a word on those two guys really and the decision made to kind of let those two move on
1: yeah i do with Massey first he's a champion bloke he really cares about the club and he has done for all the time he's been here um, I had the pleasure of playing with Massey when he was a young kid coming through when he came on loan at, at York and stuff and he was as much a professional then as he is as he is now and a, and a champion fella but like you said time gets the best of all of us and we can't just keep players because they've been here for a long time. You know, nostalgia will kill you, I think, in the end. So, uh, we've got to make the decision that's right for the club. And, again, Massey will move on to past his new. I'm sure he'll get another uh, few years out of his body and, and, and perform at the highest level. So, yeah, great, great person. Represented the club with, with, with uh, dignity. And, you know, he'll be forever at Castle Legend. Like you said, I'm sure people shake his hand and buy him and be every time they see him. I've got no doubt. Yeah, Greg, um, a little bit different with Greg. Obviously, he, he when he plays, I think he plays 50% of our games in the year, but when he plays, he scores. Um, He's got that edge where you think, if we get it into Greg's hands, we might, we might, something might happen. So he's still that type of player. Uh, how that came about is, the players were like, demanding of the club to know what the future held. Everybody wants to be told the truth until they get told the truth, and they don't like it. And yeah. it was kind of a situation where... Do we go what they want to tell them, uh, and risk, you know, getting some of them offside, or, or do we do, do you know do what they want, or, or do we or do we not, and, you know, the board sat with the players and said, look, if we if we, if we do get relegated, obviously the budget's cut, and um, there'll be X amount for these positions, these players' contracts will get honoured, these players' contracts, uh, won't necessarily get honoured, and there was something that I'd, you know I know I know the board had, had said to some of the players. That I think it had been twisted slightly, but it was, look, agents, When every player's got an agent, and as soon as there's a threat of that player losing his job, they'll just go and find him another club, which that's the agent doing the job. For us, it's our club and it's our livelihood where it's a, you know, we can't be going down. So what we didn't want to happen is a player, a player's agent to go to another Super League club, get them a, a perceived better deal elsewhere, and that player to benefit from playing for us and getting relegated. Mm. If you've got a player on the field, that would benefit if Castleford gets relegated. I'm not questioning anybody's integrity, but you just don't take that risk. Yeah. So what happened is the board had said, look, if if you want to leave, and there is another offer, come speak to us. Um, and that happened with Greg, he, he felt he got a little bit more money somewhere else, and wanted to leave the club and take that. You know, we're fortunate enough that we've got quite a few young players coming through, in Gary Gary, and. Elliot and Will Tate, that you know, could probably play a few more games, and Greg's a great kid, and he's been a really, really good ambassador for the club, I, We won't stand in his way to do something he wants to do.
0: That's interesting, because that was going to bring me on to one of the other questions, obviously, uh, we kind of did a whole podcast on it last week, basically, but obviously there was a report in the, whatever it was reported, um, that obviously contractor players have been told they could explore other options, that's the way it was put, that pretty much is what you're talking about, I suppose, and isn't it? It's more a matter of kind of protecting the integrity of the club, really. than, I suppose, anything else. Um, but in that, you know, in, in terms of that, you know, speaking to these contract players, told they can explore other options. It, is there ever an element of, you know, perhaps players that haven't performed or players that would be more benefit if the, that cap room, for example, if that money could be spent in a, in a different area, quote sports, whatever it might be. Is there anything to that? Is there anything to what has said, or is it more just a matter of what you've said in terms of you know, <coughs> it
1: integrity? Was on, it was only to certain players. Players that was on big money. Um, that if there was to get relegated, they'd be fine in other clubs anyway. And you know, if, if another if we was playing an X and another clubs were going to come in and pay them Y, that was significantly more than what that was on. But they are already contracted. They could come and have a conversation. I don't mean to say let them go. Yeah. Um, we always want to keep the best talent here, and at the, at the minute, there's only Greg with that. So it's Greg's got a lot of talent, but he's he's coming to the part where his body is breaking down. You have to manage Greg. We want a squad that can train regularly. Um, so that was that with, with with Greg. I'm not sure if I've answered the question. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what it was. Um, it wasn't it, the best word of
0: question. So if, I'm, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so, so
1: it was. Was it? if players that haven't performed well came to was it
0: something to do with that essentially yeah I mean, just based on the report that as it was said i think it was not sure report wasn't it in terms of contract players have been told they can explore other options so more to the point was it the club actively going towards players that have not necessarily no, the it, no one the
1: case was look, you we don't think you're very good get yourself off it was a case of if you're going to benefit from us going down yeah we don't need that situation
0: yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Um, in terms of one of the other players moving on, or a couple of other players moving on, Um, Kenny Edwards, obviously moving on. He's someone who obviously is or was in the contract uh, and as I moved on uh, for retirement. I guess just a word on Kenny. and, uh, Obviously, that was reported as well, to a certain degree, kind of two or three months ago. Um, Was that right around that time? And at what point did he kind of allude to the club that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably finished?
1: Yeah, I think with Kenny, um, when you see him on the field you know, he'll it, it, give everything, his heart, soul and his full body into things um, and with that comes a few injuries and he trains and plays busted up a bit. Mm. I think he's probably realised that his body is at the end of the road and another two years at that time for somebody who has, is looking at a contract can seem daunting. So he'd expressed some uh, questions a few months ago saying I'm not sure yet and he speaks to his family. I think his children want to go home. So when you're getting pressure from home to go home and you're questioning yourself whether you can continue, I think he kind of makes a decision for you. So he was contracted for another couple of years, but he did want to retire and move on. And we're happy to allow that to happen. And again, it frees up a quarter spot and some budget. So
0: Yeah, I can never understand why the families want to go back to Australia. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's mental. Um, one more I to reference, one of the younger lads as well, just because it kind of took me by surprise a little bit, but I'm just when you're taking obviously you're known quite well. As he's one of the academy lads, but uh, Kieran Hudson's obviously moving on. Um, he was obviously someone I was really excited for. I think most people were, weren't they, kind of going into last year? Uh, I know you said yourself in the statement that he was. He looked like if we were maybe like lacking a prop next, uh, last year, maybe he was the one who could have been that prop kind of coming through behind Sammy Hall and Brad Martin. Uh, obviously, the horrific injury, it's it's not going well for him. Obviously, he's one that's moving on. Uh, what was the thinking there behind kind of not offering him a new deal, or if we did offer him a new deal, or was it might have? getting out bed, like what is the situation with uh, Kieran Utters, you know?
1: Yeah, Kieran didn't come through the academy, he came through was at Newcastle Academy and he was at Whitehaven and uh, you know, Lee Radford uh identified him and, and got him over, we had to agree to uh, Friendly for some compensation to take Kieran early, which we did, and he spent all that time with us and like I said, the pre-season, he's ripped it up, came back, he was in unbelievable shape, he was dominating a lot of pre-season, and you're looking at him then thinking he could easily play ten Super League games this year mm-hmm. and I can bow stood next to him on the pitch and we said the snap and he was on the floor. Right at the right the beginning of the yeah, terrible time for for that for a young lad. So obviously he's been with us all year, we've he's had an operation and we've rehabbed him and stuff and he's he's very excited for the future. There was a, a point where we'd sat down with him and he'd expressed that uh, another club had had come in for him. We asked them the offer. We matched the offer, and he just chose to go. So we, like I said, we want people here that want to play for Cast Tigers. Yeah. We made the offer. He's got some talent. He's got to come back from his Achilles rupture, which is hard to do. I'm sure he will. He's a great kid.
0: But unless you want to play for Cast for Tigers and be a Cast for Tigers person, then you you can go where you want to go. Yeah, that's it. And I think, I think fans will take half from the fact obviously we matched the offer and all that kind of stuff. And there's been a certain effort there. And as you say, it's all about wanting to play for Cass over... Uh, the other club. I mean, as it happens, the notifications come on my phone as I'm as I'm <laughs> uh, recording this. It's Leeds. It. <laughs> uh, so uh, my Shaw's reported it's Leeds, literally about fifteen minutes ago. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it, as as I'm a Cast fan, I if the same money's there, if it's Cast and Leeds, and then i will play for Leeds. Yeah, we'll play for Leeds, we, yeah. well. we match
1: their offer. Um, he didn't want to have any further conversations. He said he wanted to go to Leeds. I think he's got some family connection with Leeds. They came in and offered him. The, you know, you want to be Cast, but you can stay. here
0: Yeah, I think that's what it should be. Um, Just the the other point on that article that was last week. um, This is probably the one that probably put the scare through the fans, but I I want to have a general chat about this because we did on the podcast last week and I can kind of understand it to uh, to a certain degree. Obviously, it alluded to the fact that we're going to be playing, well, I say obviously, but playing under a smaller playing budget next season as opposed to maybe not uh, playing to the full cap, maybe a little bit below the cap. Um, One, is that true? Uh, And two, kind of the thought process, behind that I guess financially with, with the squad and the budget at, at the
1: minute there'll be some money held held back from the playing budget um, because we need to hopefully get a little bit more investment in I think the TV money is, is shorter with a club like Castleford that almost wipes its face every year there aren't many clubs that do that and that's you know, credit to the support base the fans that come down every week they're massive in terms of the revenue uh, as well as our sponsors etc so that the you have had, the impact of the TV money to be able to run a sustainable club, I think holding some back um, is the way the club wants to go. And I am quite confident that again you can spend as much as you want you spend cap. We spent cap this year yeah. in a relegation battle. So spending cap doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna um, gonna win every week. I don't think Lee was at cap for about 15 games this season. So as long as you manage your cap well, as long as you get the right people and the right players, there's no reason why you can't have a real good crack. I mean we have got a plan. That there is an identity that we need to form at Castleford and we need to make sure the future's bright and it's
0: based on the starting point of now. Yeah. Well, there are those two points we kinda of spoke about last week in terms of why that would be the case in terms of playing lot. Well, the third point is obviously just the general finances, which is goes about saying the T V deal, etc. But my first point and I hope you agree is obviously one, generally obviously we we'll are getting into who not who they're going to be but yeah, kind yeah. of what kind of yeah, player they're going yeah, to be yeah. in a minute but like generally younger players would go about saying I think across the obviously with the likes of Mass and Eden leaving and stuff like that naturally there's a slightly lower age profile in the players that are bringing in plus if you're not spending up the cap that means there is room there Blake costing into the perfect example wouldn't it this year in yep. the sense that we had the scope to actually yep. bring that player in Um, so I understand it from a certain point of view and I think it's just that it's just getting that balance isn't it really I, I think obviously a lot of A lot of fans will just look at very cynically and just go, well, Wakefield didn't spend the cap last year, and look at them, but like I said, we did. It's just, with the IMG stuff as well, which is obviously the other point, in the sense that if we were to come 12th next season, it doesn't necessarily mean we're not in Super League for 2025, as I spoke about in the chat with Mark. And I think it's getting away from this idea that fans, probably the most cynical fans may have, where it's just oh are we accepting the fact that we can come bottom and that doesn't matter necessarily but it's not as simple as that is it anyway because the way I view it is there's got to be a balance there because you want to grow a team for two three years down the line but at the same time as well fair enough you're not necessarily down if you come 12th but you do need seven and a half thousand down here and you do need people watching on tv and the the various points so I guess that balance all comes into it doesn't it yeah um
1: Obviously, Matt Grattan is dealing with the IMG points uh, and that criteria and, and trying to get us to a Grade A licence. My vision of the club is to, I want people who are from, from Castleford, from the club at Castleford and people, to have a voice with the powerful in the game. So if, when St Helens speak, if it's a chief executive St Helens speak, it's the chief executive meeting, people listen. Yeah. And I want that to happen at every level for Castleford, whether it be the chief exec, whether it be the head of youth, whether it be... An academy coach, or whether it be a fan talking to us an Helens fan in the pub, you, you carry the same kudos, and that's based on success. But success is based on good planning and long-term execution. So the the ING criteria for me isn't a safety net. It's not, oh well we yeah. It's we're looking forward and we're looking at what we're trying to build the squad. That year the next year's year one. Lowering the age profile. When I say that, I mean on average across the squad. So we can lower the average age from 32 this year, to 25, that next year. That allows us to train as a team more often. It allows us to do longer days. It allows us to work harder in the gym because your body's not busted. And it allows the boys to be mentally competitive to achieve more because they haven't achieved it yet. Now, nobody knew where like Wallace was 12 months ago, and now you've got him in your team and you're thinking he can, he can help you win a game. So that... For us, is where we need to take that. That doesn't mean everybody's going to be 24 or 21. You're still going to need some of your top yeah. I've seen Danny Ward came out with age, is just a number. He would say that he's getting on. But <laughs> you know, you're right, you, you still need your, your players at your leadership group that have achieved it to show players how to take that. But your average age needs to drop. Now, like I ain't saying that league club aren't going to spend cap. I'm just saying at the minute, if you've got all this money to spend, and it might it might only be you might be spending two million and then not 2.2, but I might be holding some back just in case. So for where we are right now, is we need to get the right people and right players. Our squad will still be at 30, it'll still be a big squad. We'll we'll hopefully get some announcements rolling of who we're gonna recruit inside. But if you just go out now and spend money for the sake of spending money's sake, you might get people who being a journeyman around different clubs might be 32. Never really won anything, but still an established, super league player that you might pay 100 grand to for, for what? So just because you're paying money doesn't mean say you're getting that return of investment. So our squad next year will be very young and exciting and enthusiastic. And you know if we can get and improve on this year and get around the, the you know the playoff spots, if it's like six, we can snag you know six with some exciting players that are hungry and you've got that money then to push into charge, you'll do that so it's not a case of I'll always try and work with the the cards we've dealt and I think where we are financially at the minute is it's the most sensible way to approach it to have long term success and have an exciting squad on the field next year rather than just be about spending
0: cap that's really strong it makes sense to me it certainly makes sense to me um, I'm gonna let down all the listeners now because obviously you're not going to give me a list of names <laughs> in terms of who we've signed uh, or who we're about to sign potentially obviously the club have alluded to announcements over the next couple of weeks so hopefully that'll be that'll be exciting for all of us but I just want to talk a little bit and I'm sure you do as well and obviously uh, it was the club that reached out in terms of the, having this chat and one of the things that was mentioned to me is kind of how we kind of recruiting these players ultimately and you know whoever they may be and getting no names but mm-hmm. what is kind of this? Process been like? Plus, it's been your first year in this kind of role as well, at this yeah. kind of level. Um, yeah, what has this year been like in terms of? Forget about what's been going on on the field, but in terms of, how exciting has it been to try and put together this twenty twenty four squad from? If you are looking in, even as early as January, looking to, looking into next season. Um, yeah, what has the process been, and have you enjoyed it? And how excited are you are, are, from the kind of fruits that it's gonna, it's gonna bear? Yeah, I'm absolutely confident in in the plan.
1: Like I said. Please judge that statement in 12 to 24 months. And don't judge it on what's just gone by because mm-hmm. you know there's very little input we've been able to have as a group on that. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's a funny one when it comes to recruitment because your head coach is pivotal in that as well. So you sit down with them, you discuss the identity of the player you want and then you, you go out and, and make inroads. We did our business really, really early. So I would say 85% of our business was wrapped up before we brought a Liam Horn in for next year right so and that again goes back to the saying about this role is I think it probably shows why this role is important is because when the club identifies the type of player so we need a player who, who is athletic is robust, who's you know skillful but who's hardworking, who can be accountable um, and is humble enough. So when you get a player who's prepared to understand that they are bigger than the club or the team or the town and they want to put the town first. When you get a player who's hard working to work in every aspect of training, whether it be in the gym, whether it be in pre-hab or rehab, whether it be on the field, whether it be in extra sessions, whether it's going to schools and doing appearances, working, they're hard working, humble people. When we make mistakes, that's all our that hand up. I'll do that. I'll be accountable. I know when there's mistakes made and you've got to correct it. But as long as people are hard working, humble and prepared to take responsibility, that's the type of player that we want and the person want we'll to come to the club. So you put them behaviours with the ability to be athletic and robust and have good leg speed and, and go and dominate people defensively. That's the profile of a player want. So along all that waffle, what <laughs> I mean is, if we can sit down with a coach and go, that's what we want, who fits the bill? And they can go, oh, well, it's Jack Broadbent, it's, um, it, it's Alex Meller, it's uh, Sam Hall. You can then start putting them people in. We started that recruitment. You know, Raddy had a little bit of a say at the beginning for a few weeks and then last year had a bit of a say. But what didn't change is the type of person and the type of player. So, you know, and whoever the next head coach is, they'll have that same conversation and they'll be able to make the suggestions of the players that they feel fits that bill according to how they want to play. The coach will always dictate the style of play, but the type of people is important coming from the club. So we've recruited type of people I think you know in terms of future either internationals or future Knights
0: players and um, that were recruited from this country or if any abroad as well yeah yeah I and mean, that, that's interesting I think it's really kind of brings us back to that initial question about the importance of dreads rugby and the importance of this kind of this culture and I, mm-hmm. I hate that word culture in a way but you know I, I understand it it's that continuity isn't it and probably you been in post for all this yeah. all this time because obviously I think a lot of people would probably listen to the first thing you said there I mean you know that 85% were wrapped up pretty much when last he was in post yeah and rightly or wrongly there's this idea about Andy Last obviously yeah. across social media and they go oh well that's an Andy Last signing for next year yeah. when, when, he's, when he's announcing or a Radford signing early doors but I guess that's the point you're trying to put across isn't it the fact you've been there all the time and regards of the coach yeah it shouldn't really matter too much should it i guess they can point you in the right direction but ultimately they've got to tick all those boxes i think that's what you're trying to say
1: yeah absolutely the, the club's identity comes first and the coach will get that says it's it's a real shame for andy he had a real tough job here he works his his socks off and he had a real tough gig and you know he'll be all right in the future he'll, you know he'll have a job in the game i don't know um, but he's going but to been, it? yeah it's uh, well, been reported he's going yeah. to Okay, so okay so you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for him and you know i think Danny's come in and, and, and felt the same things that Andy felt. So, it, you know, the coach has a part to play, but it's certainly not always down to the coach. We've got it as a club, right across the club, we've got to be better. We've got to be better from the, the playing staff, from the off-field staff, from, from me, from the board, from how we go right across the club. We've got to be better at bringing everybody together. And that's the town as well, we've got to open our doors. Like this, this stuff's great for me. You know, I'm happy to talk to you as much or as little as you want, because I think it's important that when a, f- when a spectator or fan doesn't know and they're kept in the dark, they make things up and it becomes public knowledge and it becomes fact. And that's not true. Yeah. Um, and if it is true and it's a mistake, we'll talk about it and we'll let you know, come to that reasoning. But I'd rather people know the truth and make a decision rather than
0: put things out there that isn't true. Yeah, 100%. We'll do like quarterly check-ins or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hold you to that. Um You mentioned about obviously 85% of the squad being done Yeah. Um, which leaves 15%. Yeah. I, I suppose. So just to, for my clarity obviously we are expecting obviously not giving anything away I don't expect you will do especially in this ING world of social media hits and stuff yeah. <laughs> when we do doing announcements and stuff but that obviously leaves a little bit of room as well in terms yeah. of potential for the squad for next year so yeah so the squad is not quite Concrete then for February just yet, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, no, where, where are we at in terms of the? You said mentioned about thirty potentially being in the squad. Yeah, there would be thirty How? in the squad. But
1: yeah. probably two. So at the beginning of this year, make sure I answer that question about the about the fifteen um, percent still is yes. doing. But at the beginning of the of the season, we wanted to have like an emerging talent squad, so you can get more into those players that train in alongside the first team. We kind of absorbed them into the first team squad and it became 37 it wasn't quite right it was too big we think 30 is probably enough so we're gonna have a real clear emerging talent squad mm. full-time with our academy full-time and then the first team full-time so however you're developing so Fletch Rooney might be with the academy for two days jumping with the emerging talent for one day and then with the first team for a day just really track his development and I think that's the right way to do it 30 band squad's probably all right so yeah there's still some room um 15% probably looking at another middle and like a utility type of pivot um, so yeah and then then we're done so, so was right. them announcements will come out when people talk and sometimes they're not a small without fire so we'll see we'll see where we get we'll get to with some of
0: them yeah probably that. and that's yeah I was going to ask a question I've written down but I was mean to ask you about the size of the squad so 13 that's really interesting the fact that it almost brought like three elements to that because um, I was it's been a tough one, like looking at squad lists over the last few years. The castles, obviously, we saw thirty seven. I know it was really thirty six with yeah. Danny Richardson, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and obviously excited to see him back next year. And hopefully, he will be. Um, I think most cast fans are quite tough to see thirty six kind of yeah. uh, playable players in that squad yeah. last year because we've been so injured for the last three or four years, and it's yeah, been tough, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. And I probably looked at our squad as if it was stronger than some of the other squads because I looked yeah. at Lee, for example. Yeah. I think they named maybe 26 at the start yeah. without an academy. And I was yeah. thinking that's too little, really. But when you see what Lee have done, and also they've had a bit of luck with the injuries, haven't they? But 30 to me just seemed a bit of a sweet spot because obviously we've got the academy as well. And I think Lee have probably, and Salford, I think, thrown in that mix as well. I think they've named 28, I think, at the yeah. start of the year, something along those lines. There's probably a bit of luck in terms of injuries, isn't there? And the fact that they're not, they're not able to call on academies as well. Yeah. That's probably not sustainable. Is it? I, I suppose yeah. to do that
1: year on year. Just yeah, I don't know how they're managing to do it, but to get the spine on the field, the majority of the year, and the best players on the field. If you get your best players that you're paying the biggest money to, and they're performing at that value, yeah. you're gonna win more games than you lose. I think you know, Ashley has been unbelievable for Lee. I think when he have not played, they've noticed the difference. So it's having that spine and your main players on the field is key, and luck will always play a part in that for us like you said if we've got 13 in that top squad and then our amazing talent reserves a full time and there's 10 in that squad mm-hmm. and then Fletcher only sits with the academy as well When I mean, you've got Fletcher only can play a game or five games of Super League next year you've got players you can call on that are at the right level of their development all the time yeah. so that, that's the theory behind it we'll see if it works yeah how excited are you for next season I'm very excited for definitely for next season I'm looking forward to running out and how we look as a squad on that first game, and almost being a bit of an unknown. I want us to be unknown. I want people in the off-season to not be really looking at us. And I want us to run out on that first game and be an unknown entity it looks like an athletic team that are going to wear that badge with pure passion and competitiveness and be able to go up to the fans after every game and shake their hand and say, was that effort enough for you? Hmm. And, and compete. And we'll see where that takes us. They'll, they'll be strong enough to 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 play the game at the highest level and be skillful enough. But we'll see where pure effort and competitiveness will take us next year. So I'm really excited for that. But I'm even more excited about standing in two years' time and looking back and thinking where we're at compared to where we are now. I said that after the game on Friday because it was sickening, as I'm sure every single cast fan felt. It'll be different next year. It'll be a different feeling next year, and then. If it isn't, then I'm surely following suit with everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose
0: so. <laughs> yeah. Um, that probably brings us to the kind of final question, really, in the sense that, yeah, I mean, you've alluded to a lot of this, and it's just kind of putting it in one, couple of, in one kind of paragraph, I guess. But yeah, I was there Friday night. I was there. I was there on the Western Terrace on Friday night, and yeah, I, I think I put something on Twitter about ten minutes before the end, and it was forty-nil down. It was pretty bleak, and. You're eternally It's all everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, and the the saving grace was a, it was a dead rubber I suppose, yeah. and it could have been a little bit worse had they, had they not got the golden point the week before. But you stood there, and I'm there as a fan, obviously I've been more ingrained than I ever have been. As I've been going out so four years old, but with the podcast and everything, I've been yeah. <laughs> it's been in my head a lot, obviously this year. And I, I looked across on the seventy minute mark, and there was a thousand people there still yeah. there, and I just thought there's not many clubs in the country it would still have that. Yeah. And I think cast as much as as negative as sometimes the cast fans appear on social media and stuff like that. It yeah. is a minority. and Generally, there's a, an army there ready to just get behind something. Yeah. I suppose I've always felt that, and I think they just need to be led in the right direction. They just need to be shown. I think I said on Twitter, I just need they just need to be shown a vision. They just yeah. need that vision, and they'll be right behind you. and yeah. People talk about needing seven and a half thousand down here. If you give them a vision, you'll get eight. Yeah. You'll get nine. I don't problem with that so yeah I guess the final point would be just kind of bringing everything together what we've talked about just if you look at the next three years potentially what is that vision what is that real objective you talk about culture and all that kind of stuff yeah. but what is where do you want Caster to be in three years time?
1: Well, look, look we've got we've got a, a, a like a five year plan they great out there I remember Jamie Peacock run in when he went into OKR and I sat down with him and went through it and it's taken a bit longer than that to come out but um I think for me our vision is I want to make sure we place Castleford among the powerful and the elite. So Like what I said before, is the powerful and the elite in the game, I want people to look at us as one of them hitters at every level of the game, whether it be in media or like I said a spectator in a pub talk, another club spectator or whatever, I want us to have a voice and have impact when we say it, so that's where I want us to get to. Um, the the philosophy of that for me is we need to build a club that rep- proudly represents the people of Castleford. So when I talk about the behaviours of hard-working, humble and accountable, I think that reflects the people in the area. Very humble people. They all work hard for the money to come down and, and buy tickets to watch on again. The accountable point is for, for all of us to wear. We are all in it together. It's easy to point the fingers. And going back to the social media thing where people can be vocal on there is... I understand people's frustrations. I do and everybody's got a right to opinion. And if you, if that's the way you want to air it, I've got no problem with that. But if you want to target somebody personally, we'll open the doors, come sit down and just say it. Say it because don't don't whack it out there on social media and, and publicly attack someone because we we'll, we've got an open door policy as a club. If you want to come in, I've had an hour and a half on a phone with a with a fan before and the benefit for that for me is he might have some great ideas. It's our club, it's yours, ours, and if you've got some great ideas, we'll use them. If you've got some rubbish ideas, we'll tell you, and vice versa, but come and tell us. And I think that is it for me, is we need to represent the community of Castleford and all be in it together. And know that it's coming. It's not going to be a quick fix, but we won't let you down with effort and we won't let you down with, with competitiveness. And I think, for me, is that the underlying mantra that I'd like us to use in the club is... That classic cast, how I see it on the field, I'd like us to be that as people as well. So whether it's a, a community coach who's got a kid on scholarship, he should get a letter from us thanking him for his efforts to get there. That. And that's how we need to be seen. And it takes time, and it's great on paper, but the hard work starts now. Thank you very much.
0: I I love that. That's been a great chat. Um, I mean, I'm a perfect example. I'm a living example of that kind of open door policy in the sense that I mean, the club asked me to be here. Ultimately, I mean, yeah. you, you guys reached out to me to do this, which blew me away a little bit. But ultimately, extremely chuffed and obviously I've jumped to the opportunity because this is great. It, it is great to be able to speak to yourself and Mark and yeah. you know the, the the powers that be necessarily at this club and for you to be so open with us. It, it is brilliant, and I think yeah, it, it's probably one of those things where the club have. Uh, let themselves down a little bit in the past where it has been a little bit faceless and it's been a yeah, bit. Yeah. It's just been the club's there and that's what it is and you go down on Sunday and that's it. Um, it feels a bit different already. I I would yeah. say and I hope that just continues and from what you've just said, it, it certainly will. And as I say, it's, I think that's a good point to let, let it to the community coaches. Those little things, isn't it? a yeah. little like it's a cliche, but those like one percenters, I suppose. It counts. It counts to make people feel valued, um, and that's what we've got to do.
1: And I'm happy to do this, like I said, as much as you want if you do one at the end of pre season or during pre-season see where we are i think we have to open our windows so people can look in a bit more and be more transparent like i said when you don't know you guess and then when you put it out on social media the guess becomes a fact and that's where we're at brilliant thank you so much thank you for having me appreciate it appreciate it sir. cheers ross thank you